0: Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Angelica Santamaro, Director of the American Labor Museum, Botto House National Landmark. And I'm
1: Evelyn Hershey, the Education Director.
0: And we're here today to tell you a little bit about the Botto House National Landmark, which is the home to the American Labor Museum. The Botto House was built by Pietro and Maria Botto in 1908. Italian immigrants from Northern Italy who came to America as silk mill weavers. First settling in West Hoboken, they found this affordable land in the town of Halden and decided to come up here to live and work in the nearby silk mills. The house itself was a 12-room Victorian house. It was a three-family house. They lived on the first floor with their four daughters and rented the two apartments on the second floor to tenants. The house now has been restored to reflect the same lifestyle that they lived back in the early part of the 20th century. So when you walk in, you get the true flavor of what it was like to cook, on a wood-burning stove, to put ice in an ice box to keep the food chilled, to walk into the dining room and see where Maria Bato would serve the co-workers of Pietro. And in the bedroom where you find the wardrobe that, had, that, was, that consists of handmade clothing, And the parlor where they listened to their music. The second floor of the house has been modernized to accommodate changing exhibits. We also have a museum store where you can find really unique gifts for yourself or for others. And the house sits on a large piece of property with old world gardens. We have a root cellar, a bocce court, a chicken coop. We have even a grape arbor where you can sit on a very, very hot day and find a cool respite where you can relax. So we invite you to come and see this wonderful home. But now we're going to learn about why it has such a prominent role in labor history and why it is now home to the American Labor Museum.
1: Pietro and Maria Bato and their daughters worked in area silk mills along with thousands of other immigrants, both skilled and unskilled, who heralded from nine different European countries these workers were not a docile workforce. They were very interested in collective action and what being a member of a labor union could bring to their lives both at the workplace and at home. So in 1913, in January of that year, the workers in Patterson's nearly 300 silk mills walked out on strike in protest of an increase in loom assignment at one mill. The Doherty Mill, Henry Doherty had purchased new looms and increased assignment from two looms per weaver to four looms. The increase meant unemployment for half of Henry Doherty's workforce. So his weavers walked out on strike in the coldest month of the year. They were followed thereafter uh, by everyone else in the industry. Men, women, and children, nearly 25,000, were on picket lines by February. Their demands included an end to child labor, safer working conditions, and the main demand, an eight-hour workday. They would chant on their picket lines, eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, and eight hours for what we will. Having an eight-hour day would bring them some control over their daily lives, and having their uh, union recognized would bring them a voice in the workplace. All of the workers joined the IWW, the Industrial Workers of the World, nicknamed the Wobblies. And they held mass meetings, shop meetings, all in the city of Patterson, where their workplaces were were located. The industry was pretty much shut down. The mill owners were frustrated by the solidarity of the workers. They appealed to the mayor, to the police chief, to use their powers to end the strike. There were mass arrests in the city, though the workers did not break any laws. Finally, the police padlocked the large meeting halls that were used by the workers. With no place to exchange news, the authorities and the mill owners felt the strike would end. However, the workers began to search for other places to carry on their strike. They walked up the hill to the borough of Halden, where the Botto family lived, and appealed to the mayor, William Brookman. William Brookman agreed to allow the workers to hold their meetings in his small, mile-square borough, where many northern Italian silk workers lived. At first, the workers met outdoors in Barber's Grove, but it was difficult for the workers to hear organizers speak to the large crowds. Pietro and Maria Bato offered the balcony on their house. In the front of their house, it faced a green, an open field shaped like a bowl. It had very good acoustics. So from the balcony of the Bato's home every Sunday, union organizers, other heroes of working people, including Upton Sinclair, spoke from the balcony to crowds of workers A small crowd was 3,000, a large crowd was 20,000. These meetings began in March and extended through July. Every Sunday, workers would come to listen to how they could become uh, better workers as organized workers and how they might win their strike. There were uh, songs sung from the balcony. Workers would share food that they had as the weather grew warmer. It was a time to lift everyone's spirits and to learn what they needed to do to become more successful and better workers. In the end, we say the workers were starved back to work. They returned to the mills with 300 separate shop agreements. No one won an eight-hour day in 1913. However, these workers laid the groundwork for legislation and benefits in workplaces that unionized and non-unionized workers enjoy today, an eight-hour workday, child labor laws, vacation, and other benefits that we all enjoy. So the Botto House is a national landmark building because the workers, many of whom we don't know by name, were heroes in 1913. They brought about reforms in the workplace widely enjoyed by Americans.
0: And the one thing that I go away with when I hear this story and when I tell the story to visitors is that those workers were immigrants who represented nine different countries. They spoke nine different languages, had different cultures, but never, ever looked upon one another as being different. They knew they had to stick together for the cause. They were true brothers and sisters and understood the meaning of solidarity. So here at the American Labor Museum, Botto House National Landmark, we continue to tell this inspiring story, the story of the struggles of the forgotten heroes, and their achievements, whether it be immediate or prolonged. But brothers and sisters who are listening, we invite you to come visit us, either here on site or at the, at the American Labor Museum's website, www.labormuseum.net. Thanks again for listening